Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. How are you this evening? Hoping we're finally going to get a frost. Oh, wow. You still haven't gotten one, huh? We still haven't gotten a frost. I went out and I looked at the tomatoes today, and I said, I just don't have it in me to give 
death to you all. Frost will come and do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I will pick up the pieces after the frost has blackened you and everybody else is inside, hunkered down and uh, awaiting the coming cold. I'm especially eager for it because I said, aha, not traveling this year. All right, that means you can plant spring bulbs. Mm. Because many years I'm traveling during the prime months for planting spring bulbs, which is usually October. But you can't put them in the ground until there's been a frost. Wow, I did not know that. I was actually thinking about that because I remember you marveling at all the beautiful tulips last spring, and I was going to get some bulbs, so I'm so glad you are saying this. Yes, yes. So I I have been uh, patiently waiting here with all of the bulbs that I um, got so that I can enjoy Mm. lots of flowers next spring. Waiting, waiting, waiting for the frost. Come on, frost, come on. Wow. Do you have one forecast now? Is Are you getting one in the next week? They're saying tonight. But then again, they were saying uh-huh. last night. Last night it was like 39. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's enough that finally the ginkgo has turned yellow. We've also mm-hmm. been waiting, waiting, waiting to harvest the ginkgo. Traditionally, it's harvested yellow. Now, of course, there's things in it when it's green, and so some people do both, harvest some green leaves during the year and then harvest some golden leaves, and they're very golden this year. It's just remarking on how beautiful the ginkgos are looking. Nice. Nice. I need to see if I can put my eyes on the ginkgo around here. I know where one is, but hmm, I wonder. Go check that out. It's a tree definitely worth planting. Mm. They're terrifically easy to grow. I have put ginkgos in such the wrong place, and they don't thrive, but they sure survive. Oh, Do you plant males or females or what? How? Yes, all the ones that I have planted have been guaranteed to be males because I don't want the fruit. But um, apparently that guarantee isn't worth a lot, Um, and I can understand plants being that way. And there are those who say, oh, better the stinky fruit than all that pollen. Because if you have a male tree, then you have all that pollen, right? But I think all that pollen, for goodness sakes, I live where there's birches and pines, right? One one more tree producing pollen, really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's so much tree pollen here that you have to wipe it off your windshield before you can drive, and then it coats the ponds. Yes, I remember that. Yes, I've been there to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I feel a little benign about pollen, but I know that there are those who don't feel at all yeah. benign about pollen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there was just an email 
that I saw come in, and it said, if your red earth mug arrived broken, please let us know. And I wrote back and said, oh, I didn't get one at all. But here it is, and it's not broken. The fifth annual Red Earth Women, Plants, and Community Mug. What fun. Oh, that is beautiful. Nice. And next year, the date is September 16th to 18th. Save the date for Red Earth, a wonderful gathering of women, plants, and community. Yeah, so we've got 
uh, three callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question this evening. I'll remind everyone, if you have a question, please press one to get yourself lined up in the queue. And we have four callers lined up. Our first caller is dialing in from the 207 area code from the 207. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Good evening. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, Okay. Um, So I'm calling tonight about my, um, I have three daughters, and I'm calling about my um, two younger ones who are nine and six. And, you know, I guess just to give some context, like overall, they're great. It might be, it's just a minor thing going on. I think anyway, um, but basically they have some like mouth sores, um, like around the outside of their mouth, not on the inside. And it started with my older daughter um, about three weeks ago. She had in the corner of her mouth what looked just like a cold sore, which I thought was a little odd because it's not something anyone in our family, either me or my husband has ever had uh, I don't I guess I don't even really know how people get them um, but anyway I thought it was a cold sore it ended up spreading. Has, it, has it seemed to spread yes from that does it have a red edge it's a great question so hers have kind of mostly healed now my youngest okay. daughter has one on the on her inside corner, so she got one on Saturday, and that's why I thought, what's going on? <laughs> Seems to be something contagious. Exactly. I can look. Yeah, right. I can look at my. Does it have a red edge? Kind of, but not super like mar. Not super obvious. It looks like... Well, the first thing that I thought of was impetigo. Yes, I, I, I thought and about that And impetigo is a highly Saturday. contagious skin infection. But the sores are red. They start exactly as you're saying. It starts on the edge of the lip in the corner of the mouth. And it okay. is an infection. Okay. And usually as it heals, it gets kind of yellowish. Yes, yes, that's exactly. When I looked some stuff up about Impetigo on Saturday, what struck me was when it said a honey-colored crust. And I was like, uh-huh, yes, we did develop, she did uh-huh. develop that. Okay. So Echinacea is an antibacterial herb. Yarrow okay. is an antibacterial herb. There are a lot of antibacterial herbs, right? Garlic is an antibacterial herb. What do you have on hand? Um, I actually have all of them. Um, so when I thought on Saturday, yeah, at first I, I've been starting them both on Echinacea since Saturday. Um, Great I, choice. Okay, awesome. That yeah, I wasn't sure if I was on the right track today. I felt a little confused. <laughs> I think at first it's I an thought antibacterial, it was and this is a bacterial ago. infection, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Antibiotics um, would be used. Echinacea is called an herbal antibiotic. 
perfect. It's far better so than an antibiotic. You introduce yarrow. I'm very um, comfortable with echinacea, and they're mm-hmm. really comfortable. Do you have so yarrow in well. a spray, yarrow in a spray bottle? I definitely do. Yeah, I'm like in my hand right now. <laughs> it can be sprayed directly on the sores, which will okay. lessen the pain, increase the rate of healing, and make it less oozy. Okay. And therefore less contagious. Okay. Yeah, so far my oldest daughter One doesn't have any of the things that we that way. <laughs> think about whenever there's a contagious thing going on at home is that it's time for a little hysterical hygiene. Mm-hmm. In general, we don't have to be hysterical about hygiene. But yeah. when we have something contagious going on, and especially because it's around the mouth and they're young children, it's easy for them to share towels, share clay. They take a shirt off over their head. That stuff gets smeared on it. The other one picks it up, wipes her face with it. They're kids. They'll do anything. And mm-hmm. bam, she has it. Right? Or if mm-hmm. they're leaning close together or tussling or sharing food or any of the million things they do <laughs> and should be allowed yeah. to do. So then we mm-hmm. have to be hysterical about hygiene. The clothes have to come off and go in the laundry. Okay. Everything has to be, like, really ship-shaped. Okay. Right. So all the towels need to be laundered, and uh, individuals assigned their individual towels so there's no cross-contamination. Yep. Right. Probably better if individual sleeping can be arranged, at least until it's totally under check. Okay. Because it's really contagious, as you have found out. Ugh, yes. How, um, what about me and my husband? How, like, do grown-ups tend to get it, or? Anybody can get it. That's why I'm suggesting Ugh, hysterical okay. All right. All right. Yes, okay. It's, um, I think it's a kind of staph infection. Yep. And so I think the reason I thought I wasn't on the right track was because they only have it around their mouth. But that does that not really matter? I thought they'd have it, like, on their other parts of their body. No. No, it's usually restricted to the mouth and facial area. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, it's very typical. Okay. All right, then. Yeah. So it usually presents as red or with a red edge, heals with that honey-colored crust, that we've talking about, um, yep. incredibly contagious, not comfortable. Kids are not happy mm-hmm. when they have it. Nobody's mm-hmm. happy when they have it. But it sounds like your kids are in really good health and you're doing just the right things. Okay. Um, a couple questions about the echinacea and the yarrow. Um, uh, do you- do you think, um, like, I started giving them, like, three doses a day. Would you do, like, it like it's an acute thing, like, every few hours? For the one who's just getting it, yes. For the one okay. who's mostly over it, no. Okay. 
And probably, if I was the mom, I would be taking a dose or two of Echinacea a day. <laughs> yeah, I think I will before it we know that yeah. one of the things that Echinacea does is that it, it's not like a bacteria side. It's not like the Echinacea contains something that kills bacteria. What the Echinacea mm-hmm. contains are constituents that are used to make immune system components that kill the bacteria. Okay. So it tr- actually does act in a somewhat preventative way. Okay. In other words, it doesn't actually prevent the bacteria, but it prevents them from really replicating and getting a toehold. Okay. Wonderful. So maybe my uh, maybe my older daughter, too, and my husband as well might take some. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. It's a little hysterical hygiene and... Some echinacea in everybody's water dish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so you're Um, thinking external yarrow, not um, by Yes, external yarrow. Okay. Uh, You don't think they need to take it, like, in water, like, like internally? Excuse me. No. No. Okay. All All right. right, Great. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. And there are four callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is calling from the 512 area code. From the 512, you are live. Hello. Hello, 512. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing? Good. What's up with you tonight? Well, um, so I actually was calling with a question about, um, well, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on PMS. Um, So, uh, like for me, it generally presents itself as, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm sort of confused or conflicted on how I feel about the whole thing, but uh, I do tend to notice that I'm more sensitive emotionally um, maybe the first, well, two or three days before I bleed. Um, and uh, it might present itself, uh, that could be, you know, anger. It could be just, you know, uh, sensitive as in, like, my feelings are hurt more easily. And I guess I'm just sort of conflicted on whether it's something I should be trying to fix, you know, um, I feel like that's kind of the general message about uh, premenstrual syndrome, and I, and I don't know that, um, that it really needs to be fixed, or what you would recommend, you know, like I have a 15-year-old daughter, she'll be 16 in December, and she's starting to, um, you know, exhibit more sensitivity right around the time of her period as well, but I don't really know that, you know, the only thing I do right now is maybe take motherwort, which I take all the time anyway, and um, I don't really do anything, you know, to try and deal with it, I guess. Um, And, you know, my instincts are kind of that, like, 
the things that make me mad, for instance, would generally make me mad anyway, but maybe I wouldn't say anything about it or I wouldn't be so direct about it. Um, and so I don't really know that that's a problem, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, if I do exhibit stronger emotions and then I start my period, you know, it's easy for it to then become kind of um, dismissed, you know, like, oh, well, that's why you were so mad about that because you were about to start your period, so you're just PMSing, you know. And so I'm just sort of curious what your thoughts are on that whole um, experience for women. About 40 years ago, I was driving to Boston to give a talk about PMS to a large number of medical professionals. And as I'm driving, my internal dialogue sounds something like this. Why are you doing this? You should just turn around and go home. You don't even believe in PMS. Why did you agree to do this? This is really crazy. You shouldn't do this. You should go home. Nonetheless, I continued on and drove to Boston, and fortunately, I was not the first speaker. In fact, the first speaker was the woman who wrote the book. And she gets up, and she looks at the audience, and she said, isn't it wonderful that we have this many, there were hundreds, 400, 500, huge crowd of medical professionals here to talk about something that doesn't exist. <laughs> and into that silence, she said, women experience real changes that can be more or less bothersome to them in the days leading up to menstruation. And they weren't being taken seriously, so I turned them into a disease because medicine takes diseases seriously. What does PMS mean? Premenstrual syndrome, of course, is why she called it PMS. But I've also heard it called patriarchal mindset. In other words, exactly what you're saying. That the patriarchal mindset is telling you that your valid emotions are invalid because you bleed. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites, pamper me silly. <laughs> and that comes from a group of teenage girls. And they made that up, and that's how they treat each other. If, they, if one of them looks at the others and says, PMS, they pamper her silly. <laughs> That's nice. What a wonderful <laughs> thing to do for each other. Oh, it's, I see you're feeling more sensitive. Let's respect that. Let's be more careful. The first time I bought a dozen eggs in Costa Rica, I freaked out because they were presented to me in a plastic bag. Mm -hmm. I'm used to getting my eggs in a container with each egg separate, excuse me. They're delicate. They're fragile. I want to protect them. Let's take care of ourselves that way too, right? Mm-hmm. 
so then I guess the main thing to focus on is just is just that then like maybe spa day relaxation you know just as much as possible obviously because you can't always you know like take a whole day but just taking tuning in and just trying to take better care of yourself like because obviously I you know you can't expect I can't expect other people to do that unless we've discussed it and it's agreed upon or something you know and maybe I you know have the code word (laughs) like you're talking about but so the main thing I should focus on is yes as a parent you can say um, as a family we're going to be respecting um, ourselves and our menstruation and all women and all women's menstruation and we're going to be doing that by um, supporting each other to take a moon day and that moon day doesn't have to be when you're bleeding. It can be at any point in your cycle that you feel that you experience a sense of needing for everybody to treat you delicately and to not ask anything of you. And that can that can be what you do then, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it works at the Wise Women's Center. Every apprentice is told that she gets a moon day. And if she's not a woman that's bleeding, then she gets to choose when that moon day is. And sometimes they don't want to take the whole day off. They want to <clears throat> participate in class or do something like that. It's your moon day. It's not a day of enforced rest. Mm-hmm. It's a day where you get to do whatever you want to do. And other people go out of their way to be nice to you. Well, I guess uh, my only other question that just kind of came to mind as you're saying that is um, my daughter does tend to have a little bit of a hard time during the first day in particular of her bleeding uh sometimes she'll actually throw up like she'll vomit that never happened that never happened to me but i have experienced nausea um and i've known other women who have vomited from i guess the hormones um so it's aside from if just you think from it's, if it's from the hormones then what we want to do is improve liver functioning because the liver helps to recycle those hormones. Dandelion is a wonderful herb for the liver. Many women especially like dandelion as an ally during those premenstrual days because it helps to relieve breast tenderness. It's especially kind to the breast. It helps to relieve bloating because it's a fairly good diuretic. It helps to strengthen the liver and help the liver to process hormones so that those hormonal effects are less. And the great thing about dandelion is it works in almost any form. If you have dandelion tincture around, that works. If you have dandelion vinegar, that works. 
If you even have dandelion wine, that works too. Okay. Yeah, I happen to have the vinegar, quite a bit of vinegar and tincture. So from the last time I harvested dandelion, so that's good. It also can help to clear uh, skin, like acne and things like that, can't it? Yes, or, yes okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like a winner then. <laughs> I think sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's it. I was just sort of curious. Yeah. I mean, I had a feeling so I, I kind of knew where you were let, on that. Let, but... let me be clear. Mm-hmm. If you're bothered by a symptom, I'm not saying it's all in your mind. Ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If you're bothered by a symptom, the remedy that helps you to deal with that symptom. You shouldn't be bothered by breast tenderness or bloating or um, crying jags that last for eight hours, right? Mm-hmm. A little more yeah. cheery than usual. Okay. Um, you know, more sensitive. Okay. We can deal with that. But if it's a real symptom that's giving you real distress, just deal with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, for me, I guess the reason what prompted the question was more like thinking about just, um, you know, like something happened recently, like last week, where it was right before I started bleeding and I was just really offended by something that someone said. And, um, uh, it wasn't really shocking because our personalities tend to clash in certain areas, you know, so it wasn't really, like, surprising. But um, I guess, you know, I just sort of directly addressed it uh, before I even realized that I was – I just wasn't even really paying attention to my cycle that day, and I didn't realize I was about to start. And I just directly said, you know, something about it, <laughs> like, that I didn't really like it. Do you remember you know, what you said? Uh, I said that it, um, well, I just, okay, so I said that it made the person sound really nasty and that I didn't want to hear that, basically, (laughs) pretty much verbatim. Like, I was like, that makes you sound really, uh, nasty, and I would prefer if you didn't talk to me about these things and, um, and then they pursued a conversation, kind of like tried to push more of a conversation about the topic, which is uh, kind of like a hot button topic. And uh, and I said, or well, and I didn't really say anything. And um, uh, he was, well, it was a man and he was talking about abortion. <laughs> Basically, and uh, so, you know, he um, just made a comment about, because we live in Texas, and the heartbeat bill was passed not too long ago, and he said something about, you know, he was talking about how he hated children, I guess, and I know him pretty well, so I was, like, sort of not paying much attention to it. I have three kids, but the way he was talking just sounded so, like, just nasty to me like I just couldn't believe that he would just say all of these things sort of so flippantly and then he would and then I was like well 
you know, uh, uh, you better be careful then, you know, like and make sure not to. Because really, what is life all about? Life is all about having every card in the deck. We tell the apprentices that we are all given 52 cards. Nobody gets a short deck. Every single person gets all 52 cards. What that means is that you have a card that hates children, too. We all have a card that hates children because they can be really, really just total terrors. Yes, yeah. And well, I do know that. As a mom, you are in a really good position to know mm-hmm. what terrors they can be. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you hate your children. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. Of course there are times when you hate your children, so, mm-hmm. but that's not acceptable to hate your children. So you're going to be furious at him for saying that he hates children because you can't come to it and say to him, God, I do too sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I really well, I hear you. I really hear yeah. you. Children can, just like we're saying right now, children can just really be a pain. I really hear you. On the other hand, I don't think that abortion is about children. Abortion is about grown women. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about children? You mean or is that what I'm supposed to say? No, I'm saying that you should ask him. Okay, that's what I thought. (laughs) He's talking about abortion. Abortion has nothing to do with children. Yeah. Well, that's what I said him I was like you know you should just consider getting a vasectomy probably if you really are this decided instead of making this yeah. about you have no right to tell any other human being what they should do well okay yeah that's true <laughs> I, I guess I was yeah neither, right 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 see, the statements I am making are not statements about him or what he should do I'm simply yeah. saying that Children have nothing to do with abortion. You're talking about abortion. Are we talking about abortion or are we talking about children? Yeah. So part of the patriarchal mindset is because he's a man, he's in control of the conversation. And you, being a southern belle, don't wish to offend. (laughs) Yeah. We want to be powerful now because that would be so unladylike. <laughs> so you see, the real problem is not that you get upset, but you don't get upset enough. Oh, right. Yeah, no, that's probably true because then I felt really guilty about it for like, 24 hours. Yeah, and you get upset, and then yeah. you feel really guilty, and wow, what the? <laughs> yeah. Useless. Normally, I probably wouldn't have said anything, though, I guess, and then the fact that I was, you know, like, more sensitive to it, I sort of, like, just snapped about it. And... Not getting used to it, because it gets 
a lot worse during menopause. Oh. <laughs> and you might as well I, get the people around you used to it, too. <laughs> okay. And I'm really being serious. <laughs> There's no reason that you have to back off when you're in a conversation with a man. There's no reason that you have to police yourself and find yourself and your feelings less than because you bleed. Because that's who's doing it. It's you, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. PMS, patriarchal mindset. Give it up. It's not good for you or your daughters. And yes, throwing up can be the hormones. It can also be terror and disgust at having to be a woman. restrictions, the spoken restrictions. For 60 years, the wave of feminism that I'm part of has been putting out the message, you can be anything you want to be, but most modern teenage girls have not gotten that message. The message they've gotten is be a girl or be a boy. That's a really harsh thing to have shoved at you. It used to be that you either got married or you went into the convent. It's at least better than that here. Well, that's probably a whole other conversation that I should call in to have some time and is how I can support her even more just being a mom. She should three. call in and she and I should have that conversation. So she's yes. Yeah, that would be great. I'm sure. Well, I don't know. Maybe eventually. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> about the throwing up. Yeah, she might. She might be a little bashful about being on the radio, but um, no, I was just Nobody saying, has like, to know who she is. We don't use names. Yeah. Oh. The only way anybody would know is if she told. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right, right. Yeah, I will mention that and let her know there is, you know, an invite. But um, I uh, was more just saying, like, as a mom, how I can support three girls kind of, you know, just everything that we're starting to touch on and just how I can do that um, as they're, you know, she's obviously 15 going on 16. My others are still really small, but any way that I can, you know, just help to support them to feel great about being a woman um, yes. is what I want to do, obviously. So. Yes, I'm sure yeah. you will, that 
<laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> all right. You, oh, I'm sure that you do it all the time. Thanks so much for calling and sharing with us tonight. Green blessings. Uh-huh. You too. Green blessings. Have a wonderful night. All right. And we have five callers lined up with questions. Next caller is calling from the 860 area code. From the 860, you are live with Susan. Hello. Thank you so much. I I have a couple of questions about nourishing herbal infusions and a couple of questions about sinus function. Okay. <laughs> so um, a quick question is I find myself gulping my nourishing herbal infusion, and I'm wondering if I'm getting less benefit from it as opposed to sipping it. I can't imagine why it would make any difference. Oh, good. Okay. It doesn't have to slowly absorb somehow or something. I don't know why I crave to, to gulp it, but I do. Um, the other question was... Um, Usually herbs that are sipped are herbs that taste horrible. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yes, you can only take them by a sip at a time. <laughs> I would think you would want to get them down quickly. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I, so that's, I, that's the deal. It's not... Um, your oral tissues are very sensitive and very absorptive, but the act of swallowing um, is enough to get the digestive system to understand uh, what enzymes it needs to make to digest what's coming through. Now, with nourishing herbal infusions, we have a slightly different situation because the infusions are in a way pre-digested and I've worked with a variety of people with digestive issues and they find that the nourishing herbal infusions bypass all those digestive difficulties. The herbalist Michael Moore said that the nutrients are actually magnetically attracted into the blood Oh, my gosh, I love that. Uh, when you're like, gulping cold infusion, that leaves the stomach usually within five to ten minutes in your blood in another five minutes. Wow. That's beautiful. It's very, very fast. It's almost like a transfusion when you're doing mm. that. It feels kind of like that. Yeah, as opposed That's... to sipping warm infusion and warm anything, any liquid tends to stay in the stomach for three or four hours. Hmm. Before it gets out and can oh, get into the small oh. intestine and thus to the bloodstream. So you absorb it more quickly when it's cold. How interesting. Oh, yes. Cold drinks are actually strongly preferred. Now, if you live in India, well, there isn't any ice there. So if you want ice, it's pathology. Mm. And if you live in China, ditto. No ice. You want ice? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but you live in America where there's plenty of ice everywhere. You want ice? Smart girl. <laughs> I guess I I guess I most often drink it sort of room temperature, but in, I guess in my rooms that's that's cool at least. Um, but th- it kind of answers my second question, which was, well, kind of maybe not. Um, the second uh, sort of cold brew of Linden that you recommend um, is there anything in that second infusion that is affected? By heating it, because I, I mostly drink them cold, but my 
I heat a cup of or the a couple of cups of infusion for my mom um, and give them to her every morning. And heat you know, like a hot. What's that? Heat drives off is volatiles. And so and so I know and we that, don't make we don't sorry, go ahead. make infusions with any herb that contains volatiles. Um. Primary things in a nourishing herbal infusion are, first of all, minerals. How do we get minerals? Suppose there's rock that has gold in it. How do we get the gold out? Mm. By heating it, right? Mm. So heat is good for minerals. It doesn't harm minerals. You can't harm a mineral with heat. Mm. You could only make it mm. more available. Okay. But protein. I, I, I wasn't Proteins sure because... are Available to your body when they're in in a warm liquid. Chicken soup. Okay. Um, in the second brew of the for the proteins. There are some vitamins that can be harmed by heat. Vitamin C, but vitamin C is harmed by time and light and air, so it's probably oh. gone anyhow. I'm not counting on nourishing herbal infusions to get any vitamin C. And vitamin E can be harmed by long, high heat. Um, but the nourishing herbal infusions were already exposed to boiling water when they were made, weren't they? Yes, yes. So I think it was... them up again, really. What's going to change? Well, I, I, I know that the mucilage, or I think that's what you the said. Mucilage in the mucilage is more dissolvable in cold water. It's what? Sorry? My phone. It dissolves into cold water. Okay, so it's staying in there when it gets reheated. I gotcha. I think I understand. Okay, good. Um, yeah. The other questions were um, around the sinus, which um, I'm trying to learn a little bit about the function of the sinus because uh, I live in Connecticut, and there was a point uh, in the summer when the fires in California were really making a, the smoke was here and it was kind of sitting here um, and you could smell it. It was very acrid. And um, I got a sort of a headache and I felt sort of awful. And uh, it was like that for a few days um, before the air cleared up. And it, and it kind of went on being a little bit, you could sort of smell it for quite a while. Um, but I feel that I got some sinus congestion or something um, was maybe trapped in my sinuses during that, that time. I haven't ever, I haven't since then really felt like my sinuses were what I think of as normal. I, I've never really been particularly aware of my sinuses before, but I've had um, a lot of pressure, not every every day, but uh, most of the time, a feeling of just pressure behind my face and um, not necessarily a, a, a stuffed nose, but uh, a couple, maybe three times since then, um, under circumstances I don't quite understand, I could blow my nose and get an unbelievable amount of dark yellow mucus. Um, and I can't I've tried a sort of neti pot thing, and I've tried breathing my herbal infusion steam when I make it, and I've um, I've tried standing on my head, which was really horrible, um, and I can't seem to trigger the release of that stuff. And I, I guess I'm wondering whether my body is 
is continuing to produce that because of an irritation or infection or whether that's that stuff from like earlier in the summer and it's still in there making me feel clogged. And if so, how do I get it to come out? So first, let me ask you, how Hmm. big sinus? To ask me what? How big? How big? Is a sinus. Well, I gather there's a, a few pockets from from what I was seeing in the pictures that I was I looking did. at. There's a, a few Would different fit in it? pieces. Would um, a stud earring fit in it? I, Would the head of a pin fit in it? How big? I think of them as being bigger than that, but I don't actually know. Very tiny. Are they tiny? So would a stud earring fit in there? They're in your skull. So so I can't possibly be harboring a ton of gluey mucus no, in there. I'm not. That's what you're saying. Okay. Huh? Interesting. The sinuses are lined with mucus-producing tissue, which continuously produces mucus, which flows down the back of your nose and down the back of your throat, catching the millions of bacteria and viruses, yeasts, and so on that are in the air. Hmm. Not to really freak you out, but the air that we all breathe all the time is loaded with stuff. Hmm. On a really bright day, if the sun is coming through the window just right, sometimes you can see it. People say, oh, it's dust. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's what dust is. Dust is spores and yeast and bacteria, and viruses by the millions, which we are constantly breathing in. And in order to keep us well, the sinuses make mucus, which flows down the back of the nose and down the back of the throat, collecting those things and sweeping them into the stomach where they die a horrible death <laughs> in hydrochloric acid. Take that. <laughs> well, that's so, good. <laughs> Sinuses weren't making mucus. But should it should it should it be something to lodge in a place that is continually producing mucus? Let's ask that. When's the last time you got your chewing gum stuck in your tooth? Stuck in your cheek? Stuck in your tongue? Hmm. So okay. Your sinuses are lined with the same tissue that lines your mouth. Okay. So, so the so clear mucus would be what would generally be coming through, yeah? Exactly. So there may be an infection if it's yellow. Uh-huh. There may be an infection if you're feeling some pressure. And we talked earlier on the show about anti-infective herbs, the mm-hmm. garlic anti-infective herb, and echinacea is an anti-infective herb, osha is an anti-infective herb, and yarrow, I'm not osha, um, yarrow is an anti-infective herb, usnea is an anti-infective herb. So what kind of anti-infective herbs do you have on hand? I, I bought osha in case of emergency. I have, which I have which echinacea. I mean to say, I meant to say osha is not an anti-infective herb. Okay. I I have e- echinacea. I have yarrow. I'm very 
very attractive. You know what's <laughs> very specific is an anti-infector for the sinuses is horseradish. And uh, for months, you can probably just go right up to the store and buy some horseradish. Okay. And grate it up and smell that. The steam from the infusions, they're not going to do too much because they're mm. non-aromatic. And it's the aromas that have medicinal value. So you do peppermint steam or chamomile steam or, right? Okay. Yeah. But the so infusions mm. don't have any of those aromas. So there's not going to be anything in the steam except, like, more. Hmm. Would you recommend breathing horseradish steam, or will that kill me? Just eat the horseradish. Just eat it, okay. Just eat the horseradish, yeah. Okay. Any way you like it. I I like to just uh, grate it up and put it on my food, but then again, I really like horseradish. I will admit to being a horseradish freak. (laughs) I I don't think I've I've eaten it too much except in... um, the form of wasabi, which I I do like, but I don't have it very mm-hmm. often. Um, yes, it's in yes, wasabi is related to horseradish, but I'm talking about the actual mm-hmm. European horseradish, um, which is used at this time of the year in festivities and is often harvested and available for sale in supermarkets. The actual I, horseradish root. Okay, I will do that. Thank take you. A, take a look at your local supermarket, and if it's not there, ask the person in charge of the produce, do you know where I can buy a horseradish root? I bet I can find it. We're we're lucky here to have good good produce. Yeah. I will go out and get some and find a way to eat it. I suppose I that many of the As things... I, the we, other night, I grated some up, Um crying the whole while, hurrah, and um, mixed it with a little mayonnaise. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Right? <laughs> put it on anything. Then you put it on anything, exactly. Mm. Mm. Um, and maybe fire cider, because you mentioned garlic as well. I mean, I could make something like that. And The difficulty with fire cider is that it has pepper in it, and pepper pushes inflammation. We're talking about trying to get you uninflamed. So I could leave it out, though, yeah? I mean, it could be a sort of a version of fire cider that had cider and pepper in it. So let's not call it that because I don't like that name and I don't like fire and I don't like setting people on fire and it hurts my heart. (laughs) Okay. Big time, it really does. Yeah, okay. I can understand that. So you could make, yeah, you could make horseradish vinegar. Yeah, horseradish vinegar even with... Horseradish vinegar is fine. Okay. Just the, Good idea. Right, I make horseradish vinegar. I love horseradish vinegar. And I don't have to put anything else in it mm. because I rarely mix things together. How long would you let it steep? Vinegars achieve their full flower and flavor generally in about six weeks. But mm. if you're pushed, you can use it sooner. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons I just grate up the horseradish and mix it with a little mayonnaise to use directly on my food. Mm. That, way I don't have to, that way I don't wait at all. Mm-hmm. It's right, can do right there ready for me. Right. 
okay, well, great. I will I will eat some horseradish, and um, I have a, a I made an appointment with my um, physician uh, because I was concerned about the idea of having an infection, and I guess I um, wanted to get her opinion and and hear what she had to say about sinuses. Um, but I'm not keen to be prescribed um, antibiotics. Don't go. Um, Don't go. So maybe I just won't go. <laughs> They're him. busy enough without me. Call <laughs> and say, you know what? The issue resolved itself. Mm. Yeah, and they that sounds that for good. lots of time, so they mm. won't even think twice about it. No, they'll probably be delighted. Well, thank you very much. You are welcome. Green blessings. Green blessings to you. Be well. All right. And there are three callers who have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is calling from the 323 area code, and you are live with Susan from the 323. Hi, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. Um, You're welcome. Um, I'm going to try to get to the point because I think time is running out, and I want other people to get their turn also. Um, about... Two years ago, I would say, I noticed that I had, um, like, a small bump that I really only, like, I, I, nothing visible. You have to touch it to notice it um, right underneath my ear, like, on the jaw right underneath my right ear. Um, and when that happened, I had noticed a little bit of ear pain and kind of, like, jaw pain, but I, I honestly thought it was something to do with, uh, like, TMJ because I know I grind my teeth at night. And I thought, oh, wow, I must be, you know, really stressed and this is like some little knot or something, you know, that, that developed. Um, and then I never really thought about it and I never really had any pain afterwards or ear pain. And I mentioned it kind of like to my mom in passing a couple months ago. And I said, I wonder if I even still have the little bump, you know, and I felt around and I found it. And she kind of was, you know, alarmed and said, oh, I don't, you know, I don't think you're really supposed to have that. And then I did the the very wrong thing to do, which was kind of freak out, you know, and diagnose myself with all these things. And I started kind of like playing with the bump and seeing if it was some sort of like salivary stone or something that I could push, you know, out on its own. Um and then as that happened, I started to develop an ear infection in the same ear with the bump. And then uh, I tried, like, a lot of garlic and things like that, you know, and kind of waited and waited. And then I had even the tonsil got infected for the while for a while, and that pretty much all cleared up now with saltwater gargle and uh, garlic and kind of, like, cleaning it very carefully with a Q-tip um, and then the infection, I swear, it spread to the other ear, where it was like both ears were starting to feel itchy and painful and raw, and there was a while where there was like water in it. It felt like there was a lot of water in the ears. Um, and in my moment of desperation, I went to, you know, to the doctor's office, and I took the amoxicillin. Um, I'm not – last time I took – antibiotics was 20 years ago in high school, um, but I was kind of in a, you know, in a position where I thought I have to get better. 
the amoxicillin didn't really work to tell you the truth. I took 10 days of it. First couple of days, it kind of looked like I was turning a corner and then nothing happened. Um, and so then the doctor said, okay, I'm going to give you um, antibiotic eardrops. Those seemed to help some, but it wasn't 100%. So then I've been taking echinacea now about like every three hours and that seems to be helping a lot and I do maybe like twice a day some garlic oil in the ear and that seems to be helping some it's not a hundred percent I will uh, sometimes maybe like two three four times a day get sharp pains in either one of the ears um I don't feel like I have water in the ears anymore the bump is still it's still there, um, and it's it's like the weirdest thing. Sometimes it feels like it's it's smoother and longer, and then other days I'll wake up and it'll be more concentrated but more elevated. Like it almost kind of sh- changes in shape from day to day. Um, so I don't know if there's something that you – do I just continue to take the echinacea? I've also read that poke tincture might be good for this, but I'm a little hesitant to take it because it's, it's uh, from what I've read, it's very strong. Um, so do you have any thoughts or ideas as to what direction I should go? I'm so glad that you're getting some relief with the echinacea. Yes. Yes, it's been very helpful. And it's one of the reasons that I suggest that people try the herb before they try the antibiotics. Yeah, I know. Because I know. when it when it works, it works so well that you literally yeah. don't need the antibiotics. So long as you take Echinacea augustifolia, not purpurea, mm-hmm. and so long as okay. you take a sufficient amount, um, which is half your body weight in drops. Yes. Yes. Not just a dropper full. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I do have for Most people following those guidelines do get really good results with the echinacea okay. and, like you, sometimes far better results than they got from the antibiotics. Okay. So what is going on with your ears? I think that's a really good <laughs> question. And, of course, one of the herbal standbys uh-huh. is mullein ear oil. Yes. The the ear oil that I bought has mullein and garlic in it, supposedly. So, And you've been warming that a little bit and putting that in your mm-hmm. ear for how long now? Mm-hmm. Um, Probably like about a week or so. I do it like in the morning and then in the evening, and that helps. And I, are, you oh, noticing, also, sorry. are you noticing any results from that? Yes, yes, not 100%. And I also bought a cleavers tincture, and I've been taking that about three times a day because I heard that might help move the lymph. Because I don't know, the doctor, her theory, I I mean, I don't even want to get into it. I don't really think, I don't know if she was pressed for time, but it seemed like she really didn't take that much time with the situation. But her theory is just that the lymph is some sort of infection that the lymph outside of the ear has hung onto and hasn't released. Um, so I thought maybe cleavers might be able to help, like, get rid of that. Um, and Sounds it good to, to me. Be helping. Certainly not going to hurt yourself by taking it. Okay, okay. And how so right is ahead. A, a... And I would say that given mm-hmm. the progress you're experiencing, mm-hmm. that you probably don't need poke. Yes, okay. poke okay. is a poisonous plant. And, mm-hmm. hey, antibiotics are not good for us. So mm-hmm. we know that what happens is 
that there are situations in which we say the harm this might do is going to be outweighed by the good I know it mm-hmm. will do. Okay. And if you're in that place, then poke makes absolute sense, and it's taken one drop at a time. Okay. Yeah, very, very slow, right? And then Just tiny amounts you... of okay. it, and it is, I say that cleavers moves the lymph, lymphatic um, fluids by right this way, please, right this way, please. And that poke moves the lymphatic fluids by saying, get your fat butts in gear now. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's one approach, right? <laughs> um, you know, so how long? They both but sometimes we need one and yeah, sometimes we need yeah. the other. <laughs> um. How long would you say I should take the cleavers and the echinacea before, like if it stagnates for how long before I say, okay, I'm going to try the poke now? Is that like a couple weeks, a couple months? I generally expect to see results from taking echinacea, not complete remission, but results Mm -hmm. within 48 hours. Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen an improvement right away as soon as I... Okay, I and I usually okay. want to see at least a 90% clear within 7 to 10 days. Okay, okay. And if it's not within 7 to 10 days, then you could certainly say, okay, I'm adding some poke now. I'm not waiting. Okay, and could I take poke while I'm taking cleavers, or is it one or the other? Absolutely, certainly. Okay, okay. You can keep people's okay. ass even while you're being polite to them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I feel, thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you so much for, you know, all the help and guidance you give. I think, I think there's a lot of people out there that really, really benefit, you know, especially when we're feeling kind of lost and we don't know why something's not, not responding the way we want it to, or something's not correcting itself in the body. So thank you so much, Susan. You are so welcome. Thanks for sharing tonight. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye-bye. All right, and we have two callers with their hands raised. Next caller is calling from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, neighbor. Hey. Um, I also welcome the frost, the bearer of new life. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we're only going to hit 33 tonight. Eh, not quite, not quite, but going close, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was uh, hoping I could make it, like, till the 7th, but, you know, I, I got my personal reasons. Okay. So, oh, what a, what an encouragement you have been. And I like to take about an hour on Tuesdays and meditate on you and your wisdom and, and all the wisdom of all the grandmothers. And I have a wonderful question. Uh, I, I'm thinking about preservation and and preparations in regard to food as medicine and food chemistry. 
And I've been reading about infusing uh, garlic and and uh, separately, of course, and onion in in oil, olive oil, and uh, infusing it, and then discarding the the menstruum and just using the oil because it would have a, lo- a lower. And I'm not really sure what this is, but it seems to make me feel happier with without it. The gluten, not not gluten like wheat, but glue, G L U T A N maybe E, gluten. Okay. And and I think that's also in the cruciferous vegetables, some of them, and which I love. I, these are my friends, my best friends. So I've been trying to figure out. Why don't you want to play with me anymore? And how can we get along? And and I discovered this, and and I tried it, and and I thought, well, it's not quite the same, you know, because well, it's just not. But well, in I'm a, a way, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a wee bit confused as to what you're telling me, um, and right. possibly just because I have a different meaning to some words. So okay. you. Put the garlic in oil. Yeah. Is that what you said? And infuse it. And you infuse it, and then you get rid of the menstruum. Now, the oil is the menstruum. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I please forgive me. Um, you get rid of the garlic. Ah, okay. That's why I wasn't quite understanding well, what, what you, do you were doing. What do you call doing. that? The garlic. It's the garlic. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> So you're not going to use the garlic. You're going to use the oil that the garlic was in. Yes. Okay, and this is what I want to say. So fascinating about the Allium family, which led me to think about all these things. I've been living uh, seven inches above the ground for two months now. I have a foot and ankle injury. I'm about to schedule some, you know, good stuff to make me all better, but until then, seven inches, which is, by the way, exactly where a classical pianist sits from her butt <laughs> to the bot- to the keyboard, which I used to be. So it's it's ve- it's very much prettier down there. I got to tell you. So I, I love the root vegetables anyway, but the allium. So they have this uh, special property where they repel moisture, uh, subjort. Subjurative, sub subjurative, uh, repelling moisture. So there's this gluten that only comes out in moisture. So if you heat it up in oil and then get rid of that, as long as it never touches moisture, you can avoid that one chain of whatever that, I think it's some kind of, I don't know, you know, it's something in the chain a sugary thing, like food chemistry. So it's it's just very interesting, you know. About very fascinating. Yes, I never heard about it at all. Either have I, and I'm so glad that I I set aside these one hours a week, one hour a week on a Tuesday when I know you're going to be on, and unless like I'm totally distracted and I can't think of anything <laughs> in that nature. Uh. You know, I I do that, and um, I just wanted to say, I I think you've brought me to this place, like, 
I'm really thinking about uh, the difference between oil and water, like yes. what dissolves in, right, and, and, and then so you put the garlic in the honey and it's safe because it repels any moisture, you see? Right, right, right. yes. And, yes. I, and I think ginger does that too. I don't know, but I've seen I ginger heard in ginger. the honey. Ginger honey is wonderful. And, of course, Juliet DeBerkley-Levy always said that the most important thing to take with you whenever you're traveling is a bag of crystallized ginger. Well. She always had a bag, and she was always passing it out to those around her. A lot of times it's sugary and ouch on the teeth, you know. But, um... So I was wondering about the honey, though, because you're always talking about chopping stuff up. And uh-huh. uh, I, I see a lot of times people say just cloves in the honey. But what do you think about chopping it up? If I was going to put ginger in honey, I would chop it up. But I don't chop the garlic up because the garlic honey is something that happens almost instantaneously, overnight. Thank you. Yeah, and it's good for the teeth, too, right? Because I have a toothache. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. boom, you know, as soon as you do it, yeah. it's like ready to go. So you really don't need to chop the garlic at all. The ginger, yeah. however, I prefer to chop it somewhat. That's very watery. Yeah. So should it try out a little bit first before it goes into honey or... Um, I have had really nice ginger honey made by somebody who heated it gently together for a little while. Oh, right, right, right. I could see the steam coming out of it right now. Yeah, yep, right? Yep. Yeah, totally. Oh, and the smell. Mm-hmm. You have to have a really good, sterile, good, clean little pot, though, for that. Or No, you just put... You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 the heat takes care of that. You just take these little jars with your honey in it, and then yeah. you put it in it, and then in a little bit of bath of water, right? You there you it up go. Like that? You, thought you could, yeah. You could leave the lid open. What I've seen them do is, yeah, just on the stove top. But you have to stir, stir, stir. You can't, like, walk away from it even for an instant. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So it would be a pretty quick thing. Very quick thing, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty excited about trying this, and um, I really like the fact that I'm thinking that I can do my gut one more favor. <laughs> there you go. Um, Hooray. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, the other thing was um, when you dry, like, the alliums, uh-huh. uh, they say whatever this gluten thing is I'm talking about is three mm-hmm. times stronger. So interesting. Yeah, and I noticed like I can't use the, you know, shakers of the garlic or the onion. It has to be fresh and, and the better like if I just have it mostly just the oil and not too much of you know, eating of the you know uh, that that's better. So, yeah, it's very interesting indeed, indeed. I love food chemistry, and I love you mm-hmm. too. Green blessings. <laughs> Green blessings. Good night. <laughs> 
Good night. All right, and uh, we have one more caller, and they are calling from the 778 area code. From the 778, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you doing tonight? Hi. So glad. Yes. Grateful to have snuck in here. <laughs> okay, I'm, good. Um, yeah, I'm actually just chopping up some dandelion root. Was helping right. on the farm and just couldn't bear to throw them away. So making right. some tincture. <laughs> <laughs> and I got some burdock, too, which I'm really excited to play with. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, Mike, one question. As I'm chopping up my dandelion, I was going to make tincture and a vinegar with the root. But I'm thinking, is it, do you like the taste of a dandelion vinegar root, or is it super bitter? <laughs> it's not as bitter as you would think. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to play do and it. experiment do with it. it. Nice. You, you, will, you will enjoy it, and there will be times when you'll say, oh, that's what I want to make a marinade with. Mm, yum. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I also wanted to share a story. So uh, my Ooh, sister, thanks. yeah, she, so I've been drinking nourishing herbal infusions for a year and a half now and been sharing with my family and now my parents are drinking them and my sister's drinking them and it all happened in their own time. And, you know, they, when they were ready, they asked me for more information which is something you've talked about, you know, you can't like force it on anyone, you just offer and when they're ready, they'll come to you. And that's totally what happened. And my sister, she has been on um, mood stabilizing medication since she was 15. She was diagnosed very young with bipolar two disorder. So for a very long time, she was taking lithium, um, but had to stop because of her kidney levels, they were getting concerned, which is what can happen with long-term use, um, which, you know, pros and cons, it worked really well for her, so it's been quite a challenge to find something else that works. But anyways, that's not what this is about. <laughs> her kidney levels have been not good for over a year, and she gets monthly blood work to monitor them. Um, since she started drinking the nourishing herbal infusions and stopped taking supplements, her levels are now completely normal. And I know it's hard to pinpoint exactly if that's what caused the shift, but it's the only thing she's changed in her lifestyle. And, you know, I'm just thinking about the nourishment of metal for the kidneys and the adrenals and just for all of them. And I, I think it's just such an amazing thing. So can't tell you exactly if it's true, but I have a good feeling and it's working for her and she's doing well and feeling super nourished. So just wanted to share that with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. You never get to the point in herbalism where you say, oh, yeah, I expected that. No, it's always, mm. oh, wow, it's like in or raw. Yeah. So, like we were yeah. thinking that always that could, you know, always. happen. So, so amazing. Oh, so good. <laughs> so okay. really, My really good, yes. Yeah. My final question is about cannabis. So I had this, like, thought. Why is cannabis treated so differently than other herbs, you know, making these oils and all these CO2 extraction and decarboxylation and all this stuff? 
And I had the thought of like, why can't I just make a tincture like any other tincture? And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Like just pouring hundred proof vodka over cannabis. Um, and then same with an oil, like just making an infused oil lots, the way we lots, make it. Lots with other of people ones. are. Okay. Lots of people are doing exactly that. Awesome. Yeah. And it depends yeah. on what you want. You know, some weeks ago, um, I went up and visited um, somebody who does a commercial uh, ointment business. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I said to the as we were driving home is, um, I hope that you understand now how it is that anyone can make a herbal preparation at home that's better <laughs> than what can be made commercially. She yeah. said, yeah, in order to get it to be a commercial product, you have to do this, 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 and this, which actually interferes with the real ability of the plant, although it makes a better commercial product. Mm. Mm-hmm. More right stable. On. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. this, the, there's there's a lot of difference of opinion, and this mm-hmm. was very clear to me at the first conference that I went to in Tucson um, in the winter of 2019, and about 90% of the people there were talking about the entourage effect and how important it was when we were working with cannabis to have the whole plant. And about 10% of the people were saying, nah, nope, absolutely not. Not the thing to do. What you want to do is you want to find out what that active constituent is and then turn it into a drug. Mm-hmm. Those, are both, those are both valid things to yeah. do. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But I think what you're saying is I don't necessarily need a drug. I want to make a home remedy. Mm-hmm. And yes, of exactly. Course. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend who's just harvested her plants, and she's really interested in continuing her experiments with making um, high CBD tinctures. And she has used uh, both grain alcohol and vodka in the past, and she says that for her, the tincture made with the grain alcohol gives her better pain relief. Mm-hmm. Right. However, she still continues to put some up in 100-proof vodka. And this year, she says, I'm just going to go, you know, the whole nine yards on it and do all that crazy stuff that the Internet is saying. She's going to, like, stick it in the oven, heat it up. She's going to do all that and see if that makes a difference. Because one of the fun things about herbal medicine is it's almost impossible to do it wrong. Yeah. Right? So Totally. Experiment, enjoy. To me, that's one of the great thrills of it that even after working mm-hmm. with the herbs for all this time, there's still new avenues for me to explore. There's still new things to find out. Wow. Mm. So true. 
Wow, I just got gifted some beautiful CBD um, dried plants, and I'm going to experiment with just not doing all the fancy things and making an oil and a tincture. (laughs) And she is also, for the first time, going to do them from dried plants. She's always made it only from fresh plants. Yeah, yeah. I love when I can make a connection. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the 100 proof vodka is going to work with dried plants. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, there is, there is that difficulty like the that they're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but again, you know, enjoy, experiment. You'll have a good time. You'll get something. It will be useful. Whether it's the strongest stuff in the world or not, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Wonderful. Indeed. Thank you. And I think we're just on time for the guest. So I think thank you. And let's, just about yeah. at that time for the guest. <laughs> Green, Green blessing, blessing Susan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And it does look like Michelle has joined the queue. Michelle Alza has spent the past 26 years studying and practicing a variety of health, healing, and wellness modalities. She aims to unite science with ancient healing practices so that she can provide a highly effective and easy approach. She wants to teach individuals how to harness their innate healing and love power. In addition to her degree in physical therapy with specialized training in pelvic floor therapy, Michelle has degrees in hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, time dynamics, tantra, integrative yoga therapy, sound healing, psych-k, registered trademark, mindfulness-based meditation, belly dance, and shamanism. She used to experience chronic pelvic pain, indeed, for 14 years of her life, and she learned from her own body releasing stored traumas and emotional pain and memories, working with her clients, that indeed we can release and process chronic physical pain and shift years of emotional pain, actually in seconds. This is why she created the ALVA method, a process of self-discovery which integrates modern science and ancient wisdom to educate and empower individuals on how to reset and calm their nervous system and experience major healing with minor effort. Michelle has studied the latest in neuroscience and neuroplasticity from some of the greatest pioneers in the field of mind and body energy medicine to bring the latest and most effective approach to her clients. Her mission is to educate the world on these effective approaches and how to integrate our sexuality with self-love first so we may fully be, so we may be fully expressed and our own innate creative power. She created the Yoni Power and Orgasmic Abundance Online Program, Conscious Sex Academy, and the Alva Method Practitioner Training Online School to carry out her missions. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much, Susan, and thank you everyone for being here tonight with us. I'm really grateful to be here, and uh, thank you. You experienced chronic pelvic pain for 14 years of your life. It sounds like that was from maybe as a teenager up until your 30s? Yes, from the age of 14, I had a first sexual experience that was non-consensual, and I didn't even know that word existed back then. 
I was raised Catholic and my family's from Peru and I didn't have the voice that I have today, the boundaries or the the empowerment that I have today to say, stop, I don't like this. Um, and so part of my journey has been about understanding how we can perceive things as shameful and feel that I broke you know, I made a sin. I, I, According to my religion, you're not supposed to be, my religion of the past, that is, you're not supposed to be uh, having sex, you know, unless you're married. And so the day that that happened, I questioned, where do I fit in my relationship with God? Because I, I broke a commit, you know, a, I made a sin. And I froze and I didn't I didn't consciously want that to happen. And so my relationship with God was, I didn't know, you know, am I going to go to hell? Am I, I was only 14. So I carried that cross, you know, that burden for a really long time. And I thought I was damaged goods. I made up a lot of stories about myself that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't, um, and I was very ashamed of what happened. And so I developed a lot of tension in my physical body and my emotional body. And, um, and then I, that was a blessing because it taught me how we could create tension and, and tightness and pain from our thoughts, from our beliefs, which is something I didn't learn in school. Um, so. It sounds like you've been to a few schools that might have taught you some things about that, though, since you've oh, yeah. since you've since then, a lot of places that you've um, looked into and seemingly made your own. We seem to have, during these COVID years, have hit a flashpoint on trauma and begun to express and understand that all people are traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that trauma affects us emotionally and physically and that it can be changed, as you say, not through some laborious process, but almost instantaneously. Yeah, I'm really grateful that I studied with Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden. I was a junkie for, I really had this insatiable this thirst to understand how can we heal, how can we release and process in ways that are really effective. If we're energy, then we could literally heal at the speed of light and sound if we're 99% made of energy. And I feel that that's a part of my mission. My path is to remind us that we can actually transmute, transfigurate very rapidly and easily. But the thing is that I notice is that a lot of us are used to suffering and having a lot of drama, trauma, talking about our, our stories. And, you know, sometimes it, it, Joe Dispenza talks about the addiction that we have to our pain or to the drama, that our brain chemistry is wired differently so that we dwell on those things. And, and so I'm really grateful that, I've had many, many, many teachers, and, and recently in the last couple of years, it's been more about shifting into a different way, a paradigm where you just simply say consciously, I decide, I choose to shift and change our focus. 
And so we don't have to go necessarily back to the actual event. We don't. We can actually just shift our focus and our mindset. And I left the traditional physical therapy world to become a hypnotist and a NLP practitioner, recently a theta healer. Theta healing for me shifted into creator, divine power, uh, higher self, and, and using different words and different um, you know, just surrendering, surrendering to the healing. And that's even easier than all this mindset work. And, and it's almost like, really? It could be that simple that the, the subconscious mind resists. And so I myself am living proof that we can evaporate in seconds pains that we've been holding for 20, 30, 40 years without any drugs, you know, without any, and, and I do use a lot of essential oils. I love essential oils. Sorry, um, essential oils are drugs. Essential oils? Okay. Well, I love essential oils. Essential oils are drugs, and I would sooner take a drug than I would have an essential oil in my home or anywhere near me. Okay, well, the, the, what I'm sharing... If you go to a willow tree and you extract mm-hmm. a compound called salicin from it, and then you concentrate it and purify it, you have aspirin, and that's a drug. And when you go to lavender and you extract and then concentrate and purify the oil, you have a drug. And that essential oil is hideous in the body. It is a trauma on all levels. First of all, it destroys the integrity of every cell in the body, and then it goes into the cell and destroys the mitochondria specifically, which not only produce energy, but make sure that you're free of cancer and that you have a functioning immune system. This fascination with the drugs called essential oils has got to stop before it destroys everybody, and especially the earth. Okay. You know how many so in those bottles of essential oil, and that the companies that make millions of dollars in fine for, fines for destruction of the earth and say it's cheaper to pay that because they can get so much money from the essential oils, you have got to rethink this. I beg you to stop using essential oils. Well, thank you so much for your, uh, you know, I wasn't aware of that, obviously. Um, I'm grateful that we connected. And definitely we can talk after my interview, and I'd love to learn more. Is there anything There's else? There's not very much more that I can say. <laughs> I think that I can send you references. You can get my book, Abundantly Well, which talks about it. I've been talking about it for over 20 years, getting people off the drugs called essential oils. Just like we said, change happens in a second. All you have to do is understand that anything you have to buy that's made from tons of plant materials is a drug and is not worthy of you and what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for that attention and awareness. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, so back to the mindset. Have you ever spilled spilled an essential oil? Have you ever spilled an essential oil? I would love to share the Alva method and focus on the interview for myself because I don't want to deter people. You're the one who brought up essential oils. I didn't bring it up. You're the one who said it. You yeah, brought it into the conversation. People, people can benefit yeah. a lot from the Yeah, so I'm asking you if you've ever spilled an essential oil and seen how destructive they are, that they can melt plastic, that they can finish off wood. Please do not 
ever even so much as breathe an essential oil. Like I said, so I'm very so interested there. in the role of sexual energy in healing. As a matter of fact, I was part of a group of women who offered people orgasms for healing. Did you do something like that? What was the question? You, like I, believe that there's a role for sexual energy in healing. As a matter of fact, I was part of a group of women who offered orgasms for healing. We didn't make yeah, it, well, you know, known publicly, like on the Internet or anything, but people who knew us knew that if they really needed extra help, that they could let us know and, you know, tell us this is a two-orgasm problem, a four-orgasm problem, whatever they needed. Yes, orgasm is, uh, when we have an orgasm, we are secreting oxytocin, the love hormone, and the love hormone is the healing hormone and the love hormone and the bonding hormone, and it's the hormone that helps us to process emotions, and it's also the pleasure hormone, and creator created it so that this this is all intertwined, and that's why Sometimes when people have orgasms, they cry, and they sometimes memories are released from the past. And so, yes, the creative energy, the sexual energy, and the healing energy are all interconnected. And if we look at science, which is so beautiful how the body, the physiology, takes us to the same place, that helps us to understand even more that we are designed to be love and, and make love, and, and it is a healing experience if, if our heart is connected in that experience. And so, yes, people that have orgasms are helping to stimulate their healing hormone. And this is, in my past, as I mentioned in the beginning, I had sexual trauma, and I was playing the victim role, and I didn't know this, and I had this insatiable desire to discover what does it mean to heal and look it led me to tantra and to learning about orgasm whole body orgasm and connecting our bodies to the energy of our sexuality which is all about connecting to the heart and the energy of the heart also and so yes it's a beautiful experience that we were designed to have we are perfectly designed to have that so, yes, it's very true. And I certainly have found um, that for many women, although they hear your words, um, they don't really have a reference point. Perhaps some of them, like you, um, had their first sexual experience, if not necessarily violently forced on them, at least emotionally forced on them. Andrea Dworkin, um, the feminist lawyer now dead, actually said that every act of intercourse is forced on women because of the culture that women live in worldwide, which is male-dominant culture, so no woman really has the right of refusal. It's the same way that you, because of your culture, felt that you couldn't say no. How do you help women with that? I know that's an yeah. issue that's to you well self-awareness is key so I what I do is I guide people to feel more 
the truth of themselves, their, their innate wisdom accessing through their heart, through self-awareness. We have a wisdom within us all. Rather than focusing externally, we focus internally, and we get, it all begins with first learning how to breathe with your diaphragm, and that stimulates your vagus nerve, which is a relaxation response. And from that peacefulness, which is what a lot of meditations help us with, it helps us to connect to that theta brainwave state, which causes us then to heighten our intuition, our sense of feeling, which is very, very helpful to feel your emotions and the energy flowing through your body so that when you are in those situations where things are not feeling aligned, you will be more conscious to speak up. And we do also singing, chanting, declaring affirmations, shifting how we think and feel consciously and reprogramming the subconscious mind. And so making women aware of how they feel and also what kind of beliefs, how would I like to believe? How would I like to experience my, my body? What does it feel like to feel safe? That's a very big part of the work that I do, and we embody that. So it's not just talking. We go into a theta brainwave state, and that's where the subconscious mind is reprogrammed, and basically also teaching people how to process the energy of those emotions, those memories, those traumas, and it's amazing how easily people can shift that have no experience in doing this because when a person has a willingness and they have a commitment, a decision that they made that, yes, I want to I wanna heal this. And then surrendering to creator. And I ask people what word they use because sometimes people use the word God, supreme being, higher self, and whatever the person is, comfortable with using, this is what I love about some things that I've learned more recently in theta healing is that you're surrendering to the healing. The body's always healing itself, and depending on how you believe, you know, what person believes what, uh, we can just surrender to the healing. Thy will be done. And it's amazing how when people believe that they are surrendering to creator, nature, God, whatever word they decide, it's, it's incredible what happens, you know. It just shows us how powerful we are, which I feel a lot of times we've, we're not as aware because maybe we weren't raised to believe in ourselves in that way. You know, just like plants are powerful. Everything in nature is so powerful. And this is what I feel that I'm and Everything in nature people. is about sex. Yeah. I just, all about I just taught botany. You're right. I just taught yes. botany to a student who said, you don't need to teach me botany. I took a botany course, but her botany course was taught by someone who didn't feel that they had the right to say male or female. So she had no idea that mm-hmm. there were male and female parts in a flower. Wow. And I said to her, you know, if nature was confused about male and female, there would be no life. Nature is very clear about what's male and what's female. Now, mm-hmm. masculine and feminine, that's a whole other thing. Masculine mm-hmm. feminine is just a mindset. As a matter of yeah. fact, I find that it's the mindset of feminine that keeps most women from their sexuality. Because most sexual women, when they're being sexual, are not very feminine at all, are they? Well, we are in a 
in a world where there's a lot of influence for us to be go, 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 the way that we are celebrated is really in the masculine and unhealthy masculine. For example, if, if somebody's just taking a break and, you know, pausing, we may feel we're not being effective. Um, you know, we're not really supported to take a long break in between working, for example. And so the feminine is all about the pause, the rest. The Really? I don't think the feminine up. is about the pause or the rest at all. What are most women doing? Most women are working 26 hours a day. Men go out hunting where they just well, loll around. The, feminine the, pause is, the pause is men, and the work, work, work is women. Now, again, we're well, using the words masculine and feminine, which are strictly social words. And I'm using male and female, which are actually science-based words. Well, the feminine... In other words, scientifically, I can tell you what's male and female. But scientifically, you can't tell me what's masculine or feminine. What was the question? Why do you insist on using masculine and feminine when they're non-scientific words? Well, I'm not insisting on anything. I'm just having a conversation. I'm, with you well, that's explain. why I'm suggesting that we use the words male and female. Yeah, that's great. Feminine. Yes, as I mean, there are the word feminine. And males, males tend to rest a lot, and females tend to be very active. Females are mothers. Females are foragers. Females have a lot to do. Males tend to be hunters and tool makers, which requires a lot of sitting around and a lot of resting. Mm-hmm. And I find that many people are confused about this and that they have somehow been misled into thinking that our current belief, which is that masculine is fast, is somehow connected to male when it's not at all. Well, are you referring it to gender? Because that's what I'm feeling here. I'm talking about male and female, masculine and feminine. Female is something that has XX in every cell. A male is something that has XY in every cell. Yes, masculine and feminine cannot be scientifically defined. They are mindsets and they're cultural and they change very rapidly. Whereas the scientific definition of male and female cannot change at all because it simply is a fact. Mm -hmm. And if you want to call it gender, you can, but I don't call it gender. I call it male and female. And it has real active, actual characteristics. And what I'm saying is, what do females do? Females, in general, don't rest. They're very active. Foraging is incredibly active. Hunting is very quiet. You sit still for hours and hours and wait for the animals. Yeah, and in Miami, where I live, people are a lot in the go, go, go energy. And what we, what we do in preparation for connecting to our healing energy is slow down and open up the body and learn how to breathe with the diaphragm and close our eyes and feel and allow ourselves to experience the sensations. And so the work that I do is about guiding us to the present moment that is all we have and very 
richly experiencing it through touch, through sensations of movement, the beautiful rhythmical movement of the breath. And those are ways that help us to access our healing system, our sexual system. This helps with fertility, releasing of tensions, and just being the witness without any judgment, analysis, or getting caught up in too much of the meaning of anything. And that's when we shift into that theta brainwave state. And that's where healing happens. And so these are the things that I teach in my workshops, and I have online programs and Zoom sessions in person, retreats, and basically helping us to rekindle that connection with our soul, the, the essence of who we are, which many of us have, we're just in our heads, you know, trying to be right or wrong or define something that in reality, you know, we're just here. We're all walking each other home and really connecting to the heart helps us to feel more. And these are the things that I offer experiences. And, I mean, people would you do tell amazing. How they can, would you tell listeners how they can connect? Yes. I welcome everyone to go to YouTube and my Michelle Alba TV channel. There's over 78 meditations to heal, to process, to rekindle your beautiful relationship with your amazing energetic body. And there's inner child meditations, mother-daughter, um, awakening to your sexual energy, your creativity, getting a better night's sleep. There's a lot of different resources. I love to share and allow my creative energy to benefit others. You know, I'm here on a mission. And so there's a lot of free resources there on my YouTube channel, Michelle Alva TV. And if people want to schedule a clarity call with me, a breakthrough call, I offer 30-minute calls, which sometimes those in and of itself are amazingly powerful. And I have yoni healing. Yoni means sacred space in Sanskrit. And I've recorded meditations that I have been inspired myself. I'm, I'm doing the actual whatever it is that I'm guiding you to do. And so if women want to learn how to strengthen their pelvic floor, how to explore their pelvic floor, the anatomy of their sexual organs, a lot of women don't know where their clitoris is or their G-spot or the, the walls of their vagina, for example. There's a lot of taboo with this part of the body and for me personally, I never touched myself till I was 37 years old because I thought it was a sin to pleasure myself. And so for me, these, these concepts have been in the last 10 years and, and my soul, my, my inner wise inspiration inside me is noticing how there's not a lot of resources out there that are science-based and also supported with ancient wisdom. And so if people want to learn how to heal, how to connect, how to embrace more their sexual energy, their sexuality, definitely go on to my website, michellealva.com, and there's a free gift there on how to process your emotions, the energy of the past, and releasing yourself, yourself, which is what I love to share with people, is really truly to empower ourselves and become our own source. And, and ultimately, it's about surrendering to source uh, so it's an interesting journey to empowering ourselves. And this is my wish for us all to be our own um, best friend and greatest confidant and to feel that love that we are, that we are 
we've always been. And once again, that's oxytocin. So a lot of it is about teaching people how to activate their own neurohormone of love. It's within us all. And I've studied that in depth, uh, oxytocin, enhancing activities that we can do, like singing, massaging yourself, dancing, chanting, um, and there's other ways that I teach in my classes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very enlightening, and I appreciate so much how passionate you are in helping us all to wake up and deepen our sense of knowing. Really appreciate it, Susan. Susan. Well, I guess we've come to the part of the show then where I ask you what you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you. Oh, to remember that you are so loved and that you are created on purpose and that each and every one of us is a beautiful flower in the garden of life and to look in the mirror before you go to sleep every night and to thank yourself, thank yourself for being who you are. Sending lots of love to everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if there's anything that touched you in the interview and I could be of service, just know that I'm here for you and I love you. And that's Michelle Oliva. Michelle has two L's with an E on the end. So it's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E and Alva, just like it sounds, A-L-V-A, like Malva without the M, Michelle Alva, and at the usual places, and Michelle, and Sarah Ellen, and Justine, and everyone who's listening, hey, what are we doing? We're reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. Can you feel it? Can you feel how you are a thread that's being woven into this healing cloak? And as part of what that healing cloak is offering us, it's offering us the opportunity to return herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Thank you all for joining me in this amazing adventure of life and of love. Green blessings and good night.